So it's all relative, it's what you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to your slow and steady job that's taken you years to, to learn, you can make money relatively quickly. If you're comparing it to something that's get rich quick, you can get impatient. So Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Fantastic. Well, I was very excited to get a chance to talk to you because the space that we talk in a lot and owners we deal with every day, starting new businesses, entrepreneurship, small business, very exciting space that we're in. And you, to be fair, are kind of a big deal in that space. You know, you've had some success. And I think if where I wanted to start with that, because I always think particularly with podcasts, it's interesting to hear people so they can relate to you really. And why should they listen to you? You know, give us a bit of a humble brag or even a not so humble brag about kind of what you've achieved in business and why you're a cool guy to have on the podcast. Um, well, I started as an entrepreneur 17 years ago. Um, started buying property and then educating people on property and writing books and then um, sharing my content on social media and generating revenue from all the different platforms. Broke the world record for the longest public speech twice. I've written, I think, nearly 18 now, maybe 18 um, books on business and property. Fantastic. Yeah, so a reasonable amount of stuff. Yeah, and and yeah. What, what sort of, you mentioned about real estate. I know uh, in my research of you and listening to your content, I know you're kind of a big property guy. Would you say that's kind of like your main thing or are you involved in, how would you describe yourself in that sense? Um, yeah, property is probably, I guess you could call it our bread and butter, what we started and as because we hold nearly all of the stock that we buy. Um, it's something that runs through everything we do and a lot of the business models or income streams are related or spun off from property. Um, yeah, but you know, the world changes, doesn't it? And if you, you evolve or you die and lockdown and um, taxes going really high and things like that force you into um, reviewing what it is you do and making sure that you're relevant and on trend and profitable. Yeah, fantastic. And we're definitely going to get into that. As you can imagine, an accountant talking to a business owner, we want to talk about maybe a little bit of tax, not too much, because mm. uh, it, it's more uh, from what we do and to what we talk about, it's more the, uh, the the kind of feeling of how do we manage that as part of it. So let's talk about the business owner, you and your experiences with a business owner. So if you had, um, if you could kind of pick, let's start personal attributes, because I think this is interesting. You're like a successful guy. If you could, if you look at a business owner in general, and you must come across them quite frequently in your activities, what kind of three key attributes do you think somebody needs to be a business owner? Um, a vision, a problem or a, a product or something that's useful and has a, a need and a desire for people. Clear messaging and marketing so that people understand why they need it and what problem it solves. Yeah, probably yeah. those things. Fantastic. And what, yeah. uh, what about as a person? Is there any particular traits as an individual you think you need? Um, well, you need to be seen. If you don't, if no one knows you, no one can buy from you. But really, you can monetize or build a business around any skill. You know, a lot of the world's greatest billionaires are introverts. So it's not like you have to be an extrovert or you have to be amazing at sales. You could partner up with someone who's really good at sales if you're better on the accountancy and the finance side. Marketing's really important. It, that, again, is to the shop window, getting people towards the, the shop window. I think things like consistency is really important. Focus is really important. Um, Self-belief and um, you know knowing that you have something of value. I think those things are really important. Yeah. And what about, I've heard you talk about previously in some of your content about emotional regulation. Is that something that you've discovered yourself like on a personal development journey? 
Yeah, I think if you can't manage your emotions, how are you going to manage your money and clients? And, um, you know, it's very easy with social media for a customer to complain and you to get really pissed off and argue with them online or, um, yeah, just to maybe be a bit militant or, or, or bossy towards people or for things to trigger you all the time. It's just, it seems like we're all always easily triggered and I think the volatility of those emotions make it very difficult for you to make logical, reasonable and smart decisions. So if you can balance and regulate your own emotions and make important decisions when you're neutral, not when you're high or low, I think that's good for business. Yeah. And have you had to take any particular action or strategies for yourself to kind of manage that emotion? Or have you always been like a fairly level-headed guy anyway? No, not really. I'm quite up and down. So I had to learn the hard way by making bad decisions when I was high and bad decisions when I was low and realising that, um, you know, that those volatile emotions erode wealth or are bad for your brand and just take a step back and know when to be patient and know when to be impatient because really business is a great teacher because when you make a mistake in business, you lose money. Yeah. And, and that's instant feedback as to, um, well, I better not do that again, otherwise I'll lose money. I better not that do that again, I'll lose staff. And you learn very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and being a business owner myself, not to the degree you are, I can completely understand that. So now you talked about money, and I think that's an interesting one. Obviously, we in my life as a business accountant, we deal with people all day long. All we do is talk about money, so it's a quite a free conversation. A little bit taboo in some areas. I want to, you particularly, I want you to cast your mind back to when you started. So you're back in there, it's kind of early days of the business. What was your first, what was your first kind of venture where you thought, yeah, this is the thing I'm, I'm going to do? Uh, well, art, really, I started sort of, Part-time, evenings and weekends, I started doing some painting because I was always good at art. It was one of the few things I was always good at. And, you know, I could do a, a painting and it might only take me 40 minutes and I might sell it for 500 pounds. I was like, well, okay, this is good. Um, but I, I never made a full-time living out of it, but it was almost like the, the, the toe in the water of doing my own thing and being relatively successful. And, and then property. Property was the long-term play where I would partner up with Mark and he would fund the deals and we would buy them and split the profit and the, the growth, the income. And we would just see them go up year after year and the rents go up year after year. And the rents have nearly doubled in the last 10 years. Um, and so they're probably the two. One was like a little toe in the water of, oh, it is possible to make yeah. some money and be successful on your own. And then property was was kind of the big thing and everything's spun off from there. Fantastic. So going back then to the art, I think that's a really cool thing, only because a lot of our listeners will be in that zone where they quite often start off with something like they're passionate about or like a side business, it's a side hustle, they're doing alongside their other job, and they kind of want to make that leap. When you did that, talking to the money and the finances, did it take you longer to get money than you thought it would? Did you, did you, did you have a, like a preset conception of, today I'm going to go to business, tomorrow I'm going to sell a painting and get X? Or like, how did, how did you picture it and what was your actual experience? Yeah, um, well, things take time, but not a lifetime. And at times I would be maybe a bit impatient or frustrated that things weren't happening quickly enough. But then when you compare that to being a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, which can take seven years just to study, actually being able to sell something in a week or a month after you created it is quite quick. So it's all relative. It's what you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to your slow and steady job that's taken you years to, to learn, you can make money relatively quickly. If you're comparing it to something that's get rich quick, you can get impatient. But the key is to stay patient and, um, you know, be realistic. 
about what, what can be achieved and, and let the law of compounding kick in. Yeah, and it, let's talk about the law of compounding. For anybody who hasn't heard that, explain that one for the listeners. Yeah, so the longer you do something, the bigger it grows. You know, if you think about um, doubling a pound, it goes from one to two to four to eight to 16 to 32 to 64 to 128. Um, and if you think about lilies on a, um, on a river, you know, if they just double and double, um, the, half the river can be full of lilies and then overnight, the other half is, the whole river is full, um, just through consistency over time. And people don't really let compounding kick in because they sell too quickly. And when you, know, when you buy and sell things, you've got taxes and discounts and buying and selling costs and broker fees and all those kind of things. And they all, you know, that's why I don't like to really trade. I like to invest, buy, hold, die, because all those things cut away at compounding. Yeah, yeah, no, I can completely see that. And also, you know, there's a lot of the reason property is so uh, popular, I think, in, in wealthy people is that, that the taxation is arguably a lot more favourable than maybe like trading income, for example. And do, does tax ever, and apologies for uh, talking straight in about a tax question, but I'm going to ask you, does tax ever impact your, your thought process through the yeah. business? Yeah, it does, because taxes are so high right now. VAT's 20%, corp is 25%, income is 45 national insurance, pension contributions, business rates yada, 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 ICO, data compliance, this, that, and the other. And before you know it, with what you buy, 70% of your um, money is tax. And, you know, for example, Mark and I have some supercars and we own a few in an LLP. Now, if I were to buy my £300,000 Lamborghini personally, I'd have had to earn £600,000 to buy that at £300,000. Whereas if you can buy that in an LLP, you can get the tax bill down. You can, um, you know, run the fuel and the maintenance and the depreciation. I just went to, to buy a car today and there's some, you can get some cars that are VAT qualifying, which means you can claim the VAT back. And on a 200 grand car, that's 40 grand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think your main expense is your mortgage or your marketing or your staff. But soon enough, you realise tax is your greatest expense and working that down. Because every pound you save is a pound. Every pound you make, it might only be 20 pence because you've got to pay all the taxes and the overheads. So, yeah, taxes, I mean, you don't want to let the tax strategy wag the dog, the tax tail wag the dog, i.e. Um, it affect you driving revenue and being profitable. But but yeah, it's a major consideration, especially the more money you make. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And it's interesting you, you talk about now where you are and the money you, and, and that growth stage. Early on, let's go back to artist you. When you were an artist, did you give too much thought to tax or anything like that? Or was it all no, just I, getting paid? I didn't really earn enough money. You know, when you're not making a lot of money, tax isn't your biggest expense. It's when you're making real money that tax is your biggest expense. And, you know, you start up, you're self-employed. You're just like, just take, get some money. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, what, you know, what company should I set up? And, you know, what are the, what's the taxes and all that? And basically, they're just procrastinating. Start, make some money and then get a bookkeeper or a local accountant and they can help figure out everything you need to figure out. But one thing that's really important as a business owner is you've got to learn what you can offset and what you can claim and what you can buy in a company. Because actually there's a lot more things that, that you think you can buy in a company or claim as an expense. And because it all makes a big difference. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. I think there's two amazing things there. One, I talk about a lot because in our experience with working with people, uh, you imagine, particularly with our internet presence, people come to us and what they're concerned about is, 
what company shall I start? How should I structure this? I've got, I've, or I've started this limited company and we're like, have you started a business yet? Have you got any, like, have you got some money from some people? Because this thing that you've started over here is going to cost money to, to carry on. Whereas actually, say a sole, uh, sole trader, like artist you being a sole trader, you know, minimal cost, minimal risk, minimal management of it seems like a great idea for a lot of startups. So well, what point do you think down the journey you start to worry about administration and tax returns and all the rest of it then? Um, well, when you make some money. Um, you know, you get to the end of the year and you realise you've got all these receipts and expenses and you've got to file your tax returns and there's deadlines. Um, yeah, really, when you when you make some money. Um, and yeah, you do have to be careful setting up lots of companies because you've got VAT returns and tax returns and you pay. We have 14 companies. It's 14 sets of tax returns, 14 sets of accountancy fees, you know, and everything else that, that has to be paid. But but really, when you start to make some money, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And did and how did you go around originally? Did you did you do what you said? You, you reached out to a local accountant and bookkeeper and just got that sorted for you? Or? Yeah, um, I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later, and I think um, a lot of people they have perfectionism and wanting all their ducks to be in a row. It it gets in the way of progress. Yeah, for me, I'd rather um, you know figure it out as I go. And like I said, sell some stuff and make some money. There's going to be no tax bill on no revenue. <laughs> yeah. And it's far better to have a, you know, a tax bill, a big tax bill is a high quality problem. And if you've got a big tax bill, then you can employ an accountant to advise you on how to get it down. My business partner spends a couple of days a year with our accountant when it's tax return time, just going through it all and looking at our tax bill and you know, have, go, back, go back through the year. Have we claimed everything? Have we run everything as an expense? Have we put all of our receipts in? Um, just to make sure that we're minimising our tax. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And did and you mentioned something really critical there, which I'm actually loving what you're saying around just getting going, getting some customers. We talk about tax being a success fee, but obviously, as you say, the fee at zero pound is still zero pound, right? So it's mm. important to go. So uh, either artist you or when in the early days of the property business or when you've launched another one of these 14 companies, did you did you ever have a particular like wow moment where you're like, okay, this 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 this, this was it. You, you felt like, I got this right in terms of gaining customers. Um, you see, the thing is, like movies and media would have you believe you get these wow and these aha moments, like you know, the day you become a millionaire. You don't become a millionaire overnight. You become a millionaire progressively, and you track your net worth, and then one day you've got a net worth of a million. But you know, last week you had a net worth of nine hundred ninety-five thousand, and it all happens sort of. I wouldn't say slowly, but but gently. So it's not like you get a lot of these eureka moments. You do get some occasionally, like Google AdWords, when we first figured that out, that was a bit of a eureka moment where we could really scale. And then, you know, maybe when you start to generate organic leads on a new social platform, or you go viral on a new platform, or you figure out the algorithm on Facebook or YouTube. So you do get some moments, but really it's just about, it's the daily grind. It's just doing things regularly in a relatively mundane, monotonous way and not getting distracted and not, you know, most days are boring. I'll give you an example. Let's say in property, you, you, want to, you want to buy some property. To be pretty successful in property, buy five properties a year, you're probably doing really well. So that's five days of the year you're buying a property and that's 360 days of the year you're not. So it's not just about those five exciting days when you exchange and complete on properties. It's do you stay consistent and focused on those 360 days when you're getting rejections and when things don't look like they're happening? Yeah, no, I completely get that. I completely get that. And did did you talk about those those lack of uh, 
aha moments. Oh, there's a few in there, definitely. What about the other way? Do you did you ever, especially in those early stages, did you worry? Because one of the things I'm, I always find interesting is people worry about debt, as in business debt. Now, as as everyone in the property world knows, there's a lot of debt around. If leveraged correctly, it's a fantastic thing to use. So, what did you ever worry about debt, debt, or access to it, or the amount of money that somebody had given to you to invest in those early days? No, no, because uh, we um, don't. We don't raise bad debt, really. So our company has virtually no debt. I don't even think we've got any debt for you know computers and office furniture. I think we buy everything cash. And look, I've got a lot of cars now, and occasionally we'll um, raise a bit of debt on some of them if we think it's a cheaper cost of the money, especially when rates were really low. Um, it's just a good preservation of capital. But no, because all the debt that we would raise would be for appreciating assets, good debt, not bad debt. Yeah, fantastic. And did, and did you ever have a worry during the, but no, because you always, you were happy with what you were investing in terms of where, where you put that debt? Um, well, I mean, you know, things like lockdown was a real worry because you didn't really know what was going to happen. And there was that uncertainty of how long will you not be able to trade and how much money do you have in the bank to burn without making any sales? So that was certainly a worry. And people's attitudes changing and the dramatic increase in salaries and everyone wanting to work from home. And would business go back to how it was? And will the taxes keep going up? You know, there are a lot of worries out there. But, you know, all you can really control is what you can control. And if you spend your time worrying about all these external things, you don't really ever get anything done. You know, Mark did say, you know, there are a lot of threats to your business, but the main threat right now is the government with lockdowns and taxes and everything else and um but you know i don't tend to worry too much um because you know i know what i can control and what i can't yeah love it and did and you actually could bring me straight on to another question i had as we're recording this there's massive talk in the press about recessions and doom and gloom everywhere you look and as a result you teach to a lot of business owners who are worried about these things now us work in the business owners we do, yes, there's rising costs. You mentioned it, massive wage pressures and the rest of it. So it's not the easiest environment, but we're still seeing a ton of success. How are you seeing it in your world? Um, the thing is, you can believe the hype or you, and you can believe the media, or you can just make sure that you are the best at what you do. You know, with milk, cream rises to the top. I just went and did an interview at Tom Hartley Cars and, you know, I went there and I've, a second car I've bought off him in as many visits. And I just, you know, I bought my wife an Audi RS Q8 and I just said, I want it, I'll have it. And he says, you know, all the media says there is a recession. You watch the news and it's awful. But he says he's got loads of clients coming in buying cash and he can't get enough stock. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think it, it all depends, you know, don't buy into the bullshit and don't buy into the hype. Um, and know that if you're good at what you do, it doesn't matter who's the competitor in the market or what's going on in the economy. You know, the economy can shrink, but prices can go up. I mean, watchmakers and car manufacturers did amazingly well through lockdown. So, um, you know, and, and the luxury end of the market never really seems to get affected by recessions. And there's always something new that people need. So you just have to be agile. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I was talking about this recently on the podcast, you know, the share price and the, the financial results from the Louis Vuitton group and where all that, uh, how well they've done through the last few years. Because mm. there's money there somewhere, isn't it, being yeah. spent? So Yeah, money doesn't just disappear. It just flows in different directions and to different people. And you know, Sunseeker, you know, and, and Rolex are probably never going to struggle in recessions because in recessions, you find that the rich get richer. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I completely get it. So would you have, I think you mentioned it there, but would you say then your main advice to business owners is kind of control the controllable? Is that is that kind of the feel? Yeah, I mean, life's short and there's a lot of things to worry about. And if you always stress about what you can't control, I mean, that is one of the greatest stresses, isn't it? Is things you can't control happening. And what I find for my mental health and my results is as soon as I start worrying and drifting and I just like, right, what can I control? I can control what I do today. I can control my focus. I can control what I work on. Um, and, and, you know, and what will be will be with everything else. You know, it's like if you're in a relationship and you try and control your partner, in the end, you're probably going to push them away. You can't control what they do. You can only control how you are with them. It's the same in business. With partners, you can't control your staff. You can only control how well you lead them. Um, and, yeah, and you, you, there's just so many things that you can spend all your time worrying about. But, you, you, you know... You, You'll never get anywhere if you worry about everything. No. And do you find, I mean, as a business owner, have you found, uh, you talked about emotional regulation at the beginning, have you found that there's been quite a lot of ups and downs in terms of motivation for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty motivated person, but really motivation is short-lived. Motivation is get your ass down the gym. Um, and whether you feel good or not in the moment or the, based on the decisions you make. But, but inspiration is a bit more long-lived, whereby you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And, you know, I have my ups and downs like everybody else and I feel lethargic or I feel, you know, motivated. Um, and that comes and goes. But I know that what I'm doing, you know, with the content and the businesses and everything, I know I'm supposed to be doing this with my life. And so therefore, people say to me, do you ever think about giving up? And no, not really. Sometimes I feel like going to bed for the rest of the afternoon. You know, Harry and I are training for a fight at the moment. There's 12 days left and we're absolutely knackered. So, you know, you can, you can have those moments. But you know, you never think about, oh, I need to just jack this all in. If people are thinking all the time about jacking it all in, they're in the wrong business. They're doing the wrong, the wrong thing. And, you know, emotions, we make them far more important than they are. I mean, no one cares. No one cares really how you feel. I mean, I'm knackered at the moment. I've been training a lot. But you don't care. What you care about is, you know, do you have a good experience with me? And do I deliver what you want from me? So, you know, just crack on and, and get shit done and fulfill what your, your, you know, your commitments. Um, and what you'll find is, like self-worth is keeping promises to yourself. So if you say, I'm going to do this and you do it, I'm going to do this and you do it, I'm going to do this and you do it, you'll feel good about yourself. If you keep saying, I'm going to do this and you don't, I'm going to do this and you make excuses, you'll start to feel shit about yourself. So um, make promises to yourself about what you're going to do and, and just get it done. Yeah. And did you find you had to develop that skill set or do you, were you naturally like, because I know some people you meet and they're like naturally, they've just always been a go-getter, it works. A lot of people have to fight this kind of, uh, you know, feeling. And there's particularly, there's there's a feeling I think of as the generations have gone on that this is more of a challenge. Have, yeah, have you had to develop that skill? or is it No, I, I think everyone's inspired to go and get what they want if it's important enough to them. You know, my son will play the PlayStation all day and all night. You know, he's, he doesn't need to, be given any motivation to go and do that. So, but I don't buy into these, you know, everyone's lazy and lethargic and it's a, a lazy generation. I just think people are lost and they don't know what to do with their lives. And if you think about when you're at school, you know, the teachers you like and the lesson, lessons you like, you don't need anyone to motivate you. But the teachers you don't like and the lessons you don't like, you need a lot of external motivation. So the motivation comes from within when you're inspired to do something that, you know, you really think is important and useful and valuable. So, if you find that your laziness and procrastination is good because it's feedback that you're focusing on the wrong areas and you need to look at 
where you're putting your time and energy to make sure that you're doing the things that are right for you. And have you found it through your career and your different businesses, and presumably if you've got different kind of things you might be excited about at one point, have you had those moments that you're like, okay, yeah, and no, look, I need to refocus on getting this right? Yeah, look, sometimes you get yourself distracted and you take on too many things, or you, you know, like Harry and I, we've been doing content for 900 years. <laughs> And, and it can sometimes be a bit fucking boring, you know, yeah. when we're driving up and down the motorway and then people cancel on us and we're like, oh, is this one going to be good? And, and we've had a few shit videos. And, and But then all of a sudden you can get really surprised because something just goes for you. And then the same, everything can be going great and then all of a sudden things um, don't work out so well for a while. And this is life. So, um, yeah, it, it's an up and down journey and mostly it's just normal. You know, m most days are normal and the same and occasionally something extraordinarily good happens and occasionally something extraordinarily shit happens. But generally it's a bit just, you know, every day, just keep doing it. Keep doing the thing. Like, you, you know, getting guests for us at the moment is a challenge. And, you know, Harry gets, puts loads of messages out and he gets loads of knockbacks and everyone wants a fucking massive fee because of Bartlett paying everyone. <laughs> you know, but we just like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep, and by the way, he says he never pays anyone and we have proof <laughs> that, that he does. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So off, this is why managing your emotions is really important. Because when you're bored, you know, entrepreneurs, they can be thrilled and adrenaline seekers and you can be everything can be fine and you can just mess things up sabotaging it just because you're bored um you know i get i like i'm a bit of a sucker for spending money um and you know you have to manage money well when you run a business and you have to be be mindful and after i'm, oh, I'm bored oh, i'll just go and do that so yeah this is normal this yeah. is normal just know your capacity Say no to the wrong things, yes to the right things. Don't do too many things. Do some things well and keep going. Awesome. And you were talking about, like we talked there about motivation. You were saying about the right things to do, everything else. Everyone's learning in this game, particularly in the early stages. And we, we see a lot of people who, uh, I think as the years have gone, I've seen more of this, particularly in times of financial stress. A lot of people start their self-employed journey or their side hustle later in life, which is really interesting. And in some ways, they've got a lot more to lose because they're in that steady job. They might have kids, everything else. They're worried about this financial aspect. So then they go seeking out content. You mentioned about content, uh, things on the internet. Where do you stand on coaches and mentors and the like? Um, I don't really understand the question. In terms of, do you think they're a positive thing? Yeah, I mean, stand on the shoulders of giants and leverage the traits of the greats. Um, why make all the mistakes yourself? Why don't you learn from the mistakes of others so that, you, you know, there's no get rich quick, but there's get rich quicker. Um, you know, would you like to learn about what it's like to go bankrupt or would you like to learn by asking other people how it was and what they learned from it? Would you like to know what it's like going to prison by going to prison or asking people who've been to prison? So I can never really understand it why people try and do everything themselves and don't think that they can learn from anyone. You can learn from everyone. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. And there's other people out there that have got what you want and have done what you've done. Um, and it's, and you know, it's never too late. You know, all these success stories, people like Colonel Sanders of KFC, um, you know, 60 odd years old before he properly started his business. Uh, many successful people start. The average age of an entrepreneur is like 37 when they start or something like that. So, you know, whatever it is you, you really want to do, do it now because tomorrow isn't promised. 
And you'll probably more regret the things you have done than the things you didn't try. Fantastic. And, yeah. and on that link as well, so coaches, I mean, personally, I love them. And have you used them during your career as well, coaches? Yeah, and I mean, they, they've expedited my journey. And I've looked, I like to learn from people who are 20, 30 years ahead of me, you know, who've been doing this decades longer than me. I mean, you can learn from everyone, but, you know, I'm getting a lot of kids who are 21 wanting to come on my podcast and tell everyone about how to be a man when they're barely a boy. Um, and it's, that's fine. We, you know, everyone's got something to offer. But, you know, people like Ray Dalio and my friend Neville Wright and my friend Gerald Ratner, you know, the people in their 60s who've just seen everything and gone through so many cycles and they see history repeat itself. You know, you can learn a lot about the future by studying the past and history because humans tend to behave in the same ways and markets tend to go in cycles. Yeah. And do you find then on that as well, you mentioned about your friends in your circle of professional uh, colleagues. Do you, how do you view network? I know it's a key, uh, key word in terms of your, your network. Do you see a lot of power in that as a business owner? Yeah, your network is your net worth. And you know, you're one good accountant or solicitor or broker or tax advisor or marketer or consultant away from a very successful result. And you know, look, at, look at OJ Simpson. He hired a great lawyer and probably got away with murder. <laughs> um, and you know, really skillful people can dig you out of holes you know, help you become the best in your niche. Um, a, a famous marketer, Dan Kennedy, said, whoever can spend the most to acquire the customer wins the game. So if you've got the best marketer uh, or you run ads the best or you've got the best messaging, then, um, you know, you can kick the ass of your competition. Awesome. Now I'm going to, uh, one of the things, do you have a, this is almost off off camera, but do you, do you have a particular product around uh, coaching and mentoring that you want me to slip in in terms of... Um, uh, promoting? Yeah, well, um, I have um, two mastermind programs. I don't do so much one-to-one mentoring anymore. One, because I'm quite expensive. It's 50 grand a year. And two, because it's quite time-consuming. I do a lot of um, charity work through my foundation. And I try and give back as much as I can. Um, but we have a program called Inner Circle Mastermind Elite. It's £25,000 a year. Uh, and you get access to myself and my business partner, Mark. And there's a load of millionaires in the group. And we have you know, very successful keynote speakers come in. So um, if people email me, rob at robmore.com, um, they can inquire about that. You know, it's for people probably who are doing six figures and want to do seven or seven figures and want to do eight. It's not for complete newbie startups. People like that should just read my books and listen to my podcasts. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly, you know, I invest probably six figures a year in mentoring and masterminding. And, you know, I've just been invited into an eight figure mastermind where you have to do eight figures a year in revenue to to get into that mastermind. And I mean, probably the biggest mastermind in the UK other than our one for all the biggest event promoters, um, because, you know, this is where you learn all the, you know, the, the best tricks. So, Rob, it would be remiss of us not to talk about it then, because I know you're in this space. Uh, you yourself, you have uh, an offering uh, to help business owners, don't you, in terms of coaching and mentoring. So then, jumping back then, you've got business owners who, who, who are starting that business up and taking yourself back there and all the different phases of growth in your experience. When we're talking money, and I know you've got a podcast talking about the money and all the rest of it. If you, had, um, if you look back and you were planning out that initial business you were going to do, or even now if you were going to launch a business, how much forethought do you give to the business model? Like, are you, because you mentioned about go get action. Do you, do, do you do any real prep in numbers or is it very kind of off the hip? How does it work? Yeah, um, look, you know, the, the benefit of doing a business plan is to prove that you can plan. But business plans change all the time. If you spend a load of time doing a load of research and analysis and making all these detailed business plans, you'll never start. 
Uh, and businesses change, products and offerings change. You know, Coca-Cola used to be medicine. And of course, now it's a soft drink. And then Coca-Cola acquire Innocent, you know, and try and be more healthy. And Rolls-Royce used to make aircraft engines and, and now they make cars. So, you know, yeah, you need to do some research and planning because you need to make sure it's a big enough market or it's something that you really want to do. But other than that, you want to get started, create a minimum viable product, get some sales in, get some feedback from your customers. Because often what you think the market wants and what the market wants is different. So a big part of it is getting into that market and getting feedback from people and asking them what they want and need and then evolving your products and services to give them what they want. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. It's, it's one of the uh, very common scenarios. We get someone come across our desk and say, can you have a look at a business plan? And we're like, we can, but that's probably not the most important thing on the table right now. Like if you thought about your pricing, the value of the services, like all these other different things that people do just to get to market and get it out there. So it's interesting you say that. And did, do uh, as, as you go, um, do do you keep any kind of like uh, do you, are you into cash flow forecasts or any of this or is it very like on the hill? You, 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 I think I've heard you talk about in your one of your content. You check some of your uh, key indicators and things like that. Are, are you a numbers guy? Yeah, um, I wasn't to start with, but I, I was also taught by another marketing mentor: you cannot master what you do not measure. And occasionally, we'd see a big hole in the bank account where money seemed to be falling out like quicksand, and we're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Uh, you know, and then when you dig, you realize, okay, there's all these direct debits or we're burning all this money on Facebook ads or or whatever. And so bit by bit, you track all the relevant metrics. So you've got like a dashboard of what's going on in your business. So you know your daily money in and your daily money out. So we track daily cash and that's sales and revenue and percentage cash in bank. Um, we track deferred revenue um, we track all ad spend, return on ad spend, um, and then various conversion statistics. I've actually got a KPIs document with about 60 metrics on it. Um, again, if you email robertrobmore.com, I could probably get your, um, someone a copy of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, you need management accounts every month. Uh, we went years without management accounts. And when you're small, you probably get away with it. But Management accounts are really important. Um, and, and we do do budgeting and forecasting, but you know, of course it changes every month, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, um, it does. But it is important to do, because I find when you, when you set targets, you're more likely to achieve them. Yeah, I love it, I love it. And did you, so to finish off then, I think this is really important in terms of um, advice then, using all your years of experience, let's boil this down, very hard question in terms of doing, but I'm sure you'll be great with it. Uh, between three and five-ish, say, actionable points, if you were starting a business today, what would your advice be? Make sure that the product or the service or the offering is something you really want to do and you're not just doing it because you need to make a quick buck. Make sure you're leveraging as many of the free platforms as you can to get customer data and sales in the bank, you know, and engaging with your audience. Um, don't draw all your profit, reinvest some of your profit back into marketing and growing your business. Probably make sure that your admin and your customer service is really good. What tends to happen is as you bang some sales into the bank and you start to grow, you get through, go through this chaos stage where uh, you're focusing too much on the sales and not enough on the delivery. And if you deliver really well, people are always going to refer, refer and recommend you and you're not going to have to spend as much money on marketing. And then just make sure everything you do, you document so that you can scale because 
you know, often what happens is you get really busy and you just keep working and then all of a sudden it's 10 years down the line, you've got no systems, no processes, the business is totally reliant on you. You're one good operations manager or assistant away from being able to leverage and scale up or step back. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think they're fantastic ones and definitely um, resonate with the kind of things we've seen over the last sort of 17 odd years of, of doing the, what we do with, with how people and the challenges they've had. And um, one last thing I wanted to dig into there because I thought it was really important, something we talk about a lot. You were saying about don't draw all the cash or the, or the profits, you know, leave some there for reinvestment. Did, did you ever find during your period, because we're talking about watches and sports cars and obviously you're in a very good uh, business place in your life now. Did you have a chance uh, when you were, was that always something you'd like to do? Or, or did you, because you said like spending money was something when you were getting bored. Or did you have quite a discipline early on? Um, no, I wasn't really disciplined at all when it came to money. I didn't really know much about money and it's just easy come, easy go and just used to spend it. And I learned from my business partner about, you know, buying cars used so most of the depreciation had gone. I've just bought an Aston Martin for 134,000, which was 300 grand new. And I would have been the guy that would have paid 300 grand for it and lost 160 grand. So, you know, I, I now get free use of most things. I buy watches and cars and they tend to hold or go, or go up in value. Um, so, no, money discipline was something I learned. Um, and, and anyone can learn it. And then, you know, with business, most people are a couple of weeks, well, most companies are a couple of weeks away from going bust. They've got a couple of weeks cash flow in the bank. What happens if there's a lockdown? What happens if sales dry up? What happens if there's a legal case that you've got some bad PR? So, you know, again, going back to having mentors, Mark and I studied and learned from Bill Gates and he would he got at one point two years worth of cash flow in the bank, whereby if he didn't make a sale for two years, he'd still add cash. And we would hold cash for rainy day scenarios. And then when the lockdown happened, you know, we were really glad we'd held cash because we were burning hundreds of thousands of pounds because our sales were halved, um, but we burned through it. And so what we do now is we draw 30% each of the profits and we leave 40% in and we build up the cash for reinvestment into growth and marketing. And also if you know, business is tricky for a while. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Fantastic. You said that obviously it's a key KPI of yours to, um, you know, an indicator that you're looking at fairly frequently by the sounds of it to check how much cash you've got in the bank. Yeah, and retained earnings, what, how that grows, percentage of gross margin and, and net margin and, you know, where your big overheads are and what your main overheads are as a percentage is marketing or staffing or um, fixed overhead costs. Are they your biggest costs and what your targets to get them down. Sometimes your, your, your target isn't to get your costs down, it's to get your costs up. For example, spending more money on marketing. Yeah, no, I love it. And as you said, if I, and correct me if I'm wrong, just taking from the conversation, but that was something that you learned through mentoring and conversations with other business people and then built out, was it? Rather than it being something you knew on day one you were going to have. Yeah, well, you know, there's a whole host of things you need to do out there that you don't know when you start. And some of it you can figure out as you go by learning basically through failure and making mistakes, but you can always ask people. So, you know, I, I have got a friend who's got a business and at the time he had more staff than us. And I said, at what point do you need an HR department? And he said, well, we had our, we got an HR department at around about 50 staff. Um, and I couldn't find any information in any books on this. And so we got about 35 staff and then we got ahead of HR. Um, and you know, when you've got um, issues with staff, you know, how do you handle exit interviews? and um, you know, how many interviews should you do before you hire someone? And what are the best places to, to get good candidates? And, um, 
you know, you can either try and learn all this yourself through trial and error and failure, or you can find someone who's done it and copy what they do. Amazing. Perfect. Well, Rob, it's been an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed it. Have you got anything? You'd be remiss of me as you're here. Is there anything you want to plug, chat about, anything upcoming that's exciting? How can people look at, uh, follow you? Yeah, well, I have a, a platform called Rob.team, which helps people make, manage, and multiply money. It's only £6 a month, and it's got lots of content on starting and scaling a business. Um, and then my podcast, Disruptors. I also wrote a book called Money, um, which you can find on Amazon or Audible. Fantastic. That's awesome, Rob. All right. Brilliant. It's been Thank a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.